the key to surviving anything in this life and in this world is realizing that it's the life of Jesus Christ in us that keeps us going. And we're thankful for the blessings of eternal life, something that I think we both heard yesterday at a, a, a podcast I had you listen to. Mm-hmm. One of the points that was made on there is to remember in the midst of a crisis like this where people all over the world have died as a result of this sickness, uh, it's important to remember that that the mortality rate of man has not increased one bit. Because when you think about it, everybody dies. The Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And so uh, this is not something that has caught God by surprise. Uh, the, the time of death for every man is affixed in the plan of God if we're trusting and walking in that plan. And yet at the same time, I want to counter that point by saying that it is... It is um, it's still important that we do everything we can to prevent sickness, to prevent people that we know and love, and even people we don't know, uh, to, yeah. to prevent them from getting a sickness like this. So um, where do we start with this discussion today? Because, again, what we want to get to is, uh, is a biblical uh, view of what we can do, should do, are doing to take care of our families, to take care of our church. And um, I know that yesterday the governor did his briefing on uh, on the news, the afternoon news, and I was able to watch most of that. They're reporting as of yesterday, there have been 8,500 successful tests in the state of North Carolina, 297 confirmed cases of the coronavirus, and 11 have been hospitalized across the state, and zero deaths. And so that's a great thing. I mean, zero deaths, only 11 in the hospitals uh, right now. But then we counter that, or we look at the other side of that with a place like Italy. And the numbers are staggering in the nation of Italy, the country of Italy. And we're talking, you know, tens of thousands. We're talking scores of thousands of people with the coronavirus across that country. And uh, somewhere around 6,000 deaths, Mm -hmm. if the numbers that I'm reading are accurate. And why is that? So what's the difference between, and I know we're talking about North Carolina. We could talk about the entire country, there's, there's, you know, percentage-wise. What is the great difference between Italy and us? And, and, and I don't claim to know a lot of things, but prevention, they say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Yep. So I, I, without getting into all the details of what our government has done, our leaders have done to try to prevent this, I want to just say, hey, we're thankful for sound leadership, at every level of our lo- our local, our state, our national leadership, uh, doing the the best I think that they know how, given the uh, the unusual and unexpected conditions that we find ourselves in, I I think they've tried to do everything they know to do to help us, and I think we're seeing some good results of that. Amen. I would I would agree. Sure. All right, good. I like that you're agreeing <laughs> with me. Uh, we're going to get some thoughts from the AP here in just a minute, but uh, you know, so. We have a job to do, and we've been trying to do that as a church. And I know most of you listening right now, you're probably not having regular church services. And here at McLeansville Baptist, back on, uh, I it was last Monday, so that would have been Monday the 16th, Yes, we made a decision uh, that evening and then officially announced it on Tuesday morning the 17th after the president and the vice president came on and uh, made their declaration and asked for the entire nation to get behind Really what they asked for was 15 days to slow the spread of this virus. 
And we felt that, you know, I'd been praying about the thing because it had been brought up that weekend. You know, what are we going to do if they, you know, start telling us that we can't meet in big numbers? And, you know, we had church here on the 15th, and, and we just went ahead and had our normal services that day. But after that time, I'd been praying that day about what to do and really just talking to the men in the church here. We decided, you know, made the decision, we're just going to we're going to join in on this. We're going to do our part over the next 15 days. We're not going to have our regular scheduled services. We're not going to meet together. And we're going to do our part to help slow the spread of this virus. And, you know, we may never know the effect that we've had in doing that. But one thing we can be sure of, uh, as far as we know, we have not been going around and passing anything on, and so that's a plus. So let's talk a little bit about what we have been doing. So we've been, as a result of that, and churches are doing all kinds of things out there, but we, we know this. We know that the church is supposed to assemble. We're supposed to come together. That is biblical. But we also know that the Bible teaches us that we're to you know, pay attention to the governors, the kings, the authorities over us when they're they're leading us in the right way. We're to honor that and respect that. Now, Brother Corey, there has that, you know, I haven't heard anything from the governor, the president, anybody saying we don't want people to express their faith. We don't want people to, to preach the gospel anymore. We right. want you to stop that. Been no hindrance of that, right? Right. Have you heard anything that would indicate something like that? No, nothing that I've heard. It's all been, you know, mass gatherings, large groups of people, and it's not been targeted towards uh, people of faith, but just people in general and just not spreading what everybody's got. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's it, it's a reasonable request. It's, sure. And, and, and that's the way we've looked at it here. And look, one of the points that I'll make here, every pastor that God has placed in a congregation to to shepherd and lead that congregation is going to have to prayerfully seek the mind of the Lord. How does God want you to lead your congregation? We're not here to tell anybody what they you know, should, shouldn't do necessarily or how they ought to do it. Um, I've been talking with a lot of my pastor friends. In fact, Brother Gary Blaylock will be on the radio right behind us this morning uh, over at Shining Light. We've, we've conversed about all this, and they're doing some things a little different than the way we're doing things, all of us doing them just a little bit different. But the main thing we're trying to do right now, and I want to talk about these three points that I have emphasized. Uh, I have said to the church, there's three things we've got to do. Number one is during this season of separation, let's strengthen our God dependence. So for me, I want the church as individuals, as families, to learn something about walking with God, learn something about uh, leading their family in worship, because we depend on the church, rightly so. We depend on the fellowship of the church. God ordained it that way. We depend on the pastor. We depend on the teachers in the church, and rightly so. But right now, we're separated so this is a time for every man, especially the men, but every family to build their God dependence, learn more about walking with God individually, all right? So uh, let me ask you a question, AP. How has that been playing out in your home? What are, what are ways you're seeing that you're building God dependence in your own home? Well, I know, you know, for us, I've got at this time two small children, one that's you know, really too young to really understand anything that's going on. But my daughter is is of age to, you know, notice the difference, notice that we can't go to church, notice that, you know, she's missing her Sunday school class, her Wednesday night program, notice that she can't go to school. And so uh, it's opened up a lot of, of dialogue to uh, to talk with them about 
hey, how even in the midst of uncertain times, even in the midst of uh, the not being in the norm, uh, that God is still in control, that uh, we can still meet together with the Lord. Well, we've enjoyed some, well, I mean, there's been some awkward uh, home services, for lack mm-hmm. of better terms, but singing some of the songs that, that they sing in their normal Wednesday night class, just to try to provide not necessarily some normalcy, but but some some I guess reassurance that we can still worship just as much at home, that the Lord still hears us at the house, that even though it may not be ideal, we would much rather be in church, uh, that God still acknowledges what we're doing, He still welcomes what we're doing, He delights in what we're doing, and we're able to still grow in our knowledge of Him and in our love from Him, even though we're not able to go to our standard place. So the awkwardness of that meeting is something that I think everybody experiences, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. So to those of you that are listening right now, this is critical. It, it is okay for you to look at the situation and say, it's a little awkward. It's, yeah. it's a little awkward to sit in the living room with just your family and sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. But really that should bring us back to the thought of why is that so awkward? Because it shouldn't be. Yeah. It really shouldn't be, but it's because I think we have distanced ourselves in a lot of ways from what God wants in our life, which is that our home should be the first primary place of worship, not to the neglect of the assembly. But but God established the home before he established the church. Sure. But the church is still made up of the family, so they go to, together. They're not exclusive. And, and let me just say right now, we're not looking for this. We, we're hoping this doesn't last much longer at all. We want to be able to come back together. And even though we're going to make responsible decisions to be good citizens of this community uh, and, and take care of our, our families, the welfare, the safety, especially those that are susceptible to the sickness, we don't want to create an environment that will potentially harm people. Uh, but, but, wow, to use this opportunity to try to recapture some of that, yeah. you know, to get through the awkwardness of, of that. And, you know, I acknowledge, I'll just say this, I acknowledge to my family on last Wednesday night before we, we did the home Bible study, and while I'm recording these services so the church can access them through the Internet and watch them as a family, I'm not using the video at the house. I mean, I'm there, so I'm just leading my family with the same study. But I just acknowledged right up front. I said, I, said, I just want you all to know it's, it's awkward, and I know it's awkward, but let's, let's just come to it and let's let it happen. And I acknowledged in my own life that I have, while we talk about God and we talk about church and we talk about ministry in our house— and I try to counsel my family, my, my children, with the things of the Lord, I have not always let them into my personal walk with God that much. I mean, it's it's like, because I, I, I love to go off and be with God alone, mm-hmm. but then to invite them into that. So this is a chance to break away some of that awkwardness, make it more comfortable. Sure. Um, so we've talked about strengthening our God dependence. And and this feeds right into point number two. Well, I guess point number three, but let's go ahead and touch it, which is strengthen your family during this time. So we've kind of brought in the the spiritual aspects of that, strengthening the family. But what about the other ways that we're strengthening our family during a time like this? I was talking to Preacher Lemons yesterday, all the mid-morning manna listeners. You remember Preacher Jack Lemons, uh, our former pastor here, still a member of our church. I was talking with Preacher Lemons, and he was telling me how he's been seeing pictures people are posting of their family playing games together, doing things together. And you know what? That's a key thing in a time like this. Let's build family unity through fun, doing things together. It doesn't have to be complicated. 
what about in your I mean, are you have you found an opportunity to do some things like that? Sure. I mean, uh, I guess one of the one of the things that that I've noticed is just how busy our families have have been prior to this, and that now that we have kind of mandated mandatorily is that a, is that a word we'll just call it mandatory yeah that have, that have had to slow down uh, you know one of the things that my kids yesterday that, that we had a ball with was I mean we just set up some my, my daughter's got a bunk bed so we just set up some pillows blocking the entrances of the bottom bunk and, and just kind of made a fort out of it and me and Chloe and Hunter crawled in there and and enjoyed some time and I mean they they had a ball with that and we probably Spent maybe just an hour doing that, but I noticed that all throughout the remainder of the day, just how much different the family vibe was because we had that time together, because we enjoyed this time. We've been able to sit down more as a family unit at night without having the the stresses of being pulled here, there, and yonder, and school activities and things like that. So uh, there's been a, uh, a a closeness that has that has developed as a result of, of everything that has been very beneficial. And, you know, we're both of us have children still at home. Now, m- most all of my children are older teenagers, so I got them 16 through 21 and then uh, and then a 5-year-old, uh, almost 6, and you've got all 5, 5 right. and 2, 3, whatever. Yeah. And uh, But I know many of our listeners listening right now, you know, your children are grown and gone. They're away, and some of them, you know, you may not be visiting with them per se. We've even got people listening right now that, they don't have anybody in their home. They're they're living alone. But maybe they've got family close by. So it's going to look a little different for them. But I think all of us have to find ways to strengthen our family during this time. Everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody's schedule's been altered a little bit. And I know that we have some men in our church that are still, they're, they're having to make, get to work every day same time you know their daily work work day work week week routine is still the same but we know the weekends changed a little bit so Sunday Sundays we're at home yep. so we had a service in the house Sunday and Sunday afternoon was really uh, I had a couple things that I had to work on um, when I say work on up school I just yeah. acknowledge the painful thing <laughs> but uh Took a little time on that, but I mean, we played some games as a family, and really the entire afternoon was filled with games and loud laughter, boisterous activity in the house, and so that was a good thing, and really it is building. Now, the third thing that we've emphasized, not only strengthening your God dependence, strengthening your family, but stay connected to your church. That's a big thing, and and if I'm talking to pastors, I'm talking to church members, I don't want to try to pastor anybody else's uh, church members, anything like that, but if I was offering counsel to anybody out there, Strengthen your personal walk with God, your God dependence as a family. Strengthen your family, your fun times, your activities together. But but stay connected with your church. And while staying connected with our church has a different meaning in this day and age because everybody logs on and, and they're looking on social media and we're live streaming services or however you may be doing it in your church, it's got to be more than that. And there needs to be that personal touch. And one of the things I, I, I want to kind of highlight a group of men in our church, our deacons, because we're getting reports back from our deacons. They've been doing a fabulous job of reaching out to our church members, especially, I think, widows, shut-ins, mm-hmm. but really just all of our families, just trying to build that connection. And I think, too, at the Sunday school level. Now, you're a Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but every Sunday school teacher I would encourage, hey, stay connected with your Sunday school class members. Reach out to them, write them, call them. You know, and and look, we can still get together. 
you know, you can get together down at, I'm trying to think of where to get together. <laughs> the <laughs> restaurants are closed. The parks are closed. Hey, you can get together maybe somewhere. As long as you stay six feet apart, practice that, quote, social distancing, uh, which is a, just an ironic word. But my point is, is that we just, we need to stay connected as a church. So what what thoughts do you have on on that, or what are your ideas in that? Well, I mean, I th- I think the the value of a of a phone call or a text message, anything to that nature, uh, you know, it, it speak it speaks volumes because it's it's so easy to I think to to get isolated and and to because we're quarantined because we're you know relegated to the home or you know the necessities that. We we internalize with the R four no more mentality, and we see our family, and so we need to keep our contact with our church members, if nothing else, than to remind us that there are others that are going through the same upheaval and the same. Because, uh, I mean, one of the things that that I know it's so easy to struggle with, and we've even dealt with a little bit at home, is is this this negative spirit that is that is creeping in of 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 a little bit of defeatism and so it's good to encourage the brethren but also to be encouraged by them and receive a little bit of that help and strength as well and i just want to emphasize here we're talking about you know here we are the pastoral team at mclean'sville i've mentioned our deacons i've mentioned sunday school teachers but it is not something that is relegated to just church leadership it's going to take the entire body of your fellowship reaching out to one another and encouraging one another and staying connected in every possible way and yes look i you know i have this discussion all the time i i I guess you know i'm not a big social media guy although i've determined that i'm a informational media guy but uh, use those 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 platforms there's nothing wrong with that i mean take the tools and use them in the right way to build encourage you mentioned something about things coming in. I noticed last night when I was trying to go to bed, I I really even felt that, uh, I felt sad, which was a a unique thing. I haven't really felt sad before, but I kind of felt sad for a little bit last night just thinking, and maybe that started yesterday morning, actually, as I recall, and I mentioned this on the broadcast, walking through the sanctuary yesterday morning, coming to the radio room, and just kind of really getting hit for the first time. Wow, it's been a while since we've gathered in here in this place, and so we we really have to... uh, Help one another with that. Now, feeding off of that, we've got just a couple minutes to go here. I want to talk about uh, just the dichotomy of this. I preached a few weeks ago, before all this broke out, a message entitled "When Tr- What to Do When Trouble Comes in Your Life," and kind of opened that up with the the you know talking about the dichotomy of of a crisis and the Chinese symbols for crisis. There's two symbols put together, and many of you have heard this before, but the first one means danger, and the second one means opportunity, and those two written together in Chinese are the Chinese word for crisis, danger and opportunity. And that's what we're living in right now. There is much uh, danger, there's much threat, and I think it's more spiritually as a whole than it is physically. Sure. Now, I know people are getting sick. I understand. That's a reality. But I think it's more of a threat to us spiritually over the things you just brought up and that we're talking about, that people become isolated, people become fearful, people become sad, people become distraught, people become anxious about what's going on, people begin to speculate about what's going on. So I would say to you, there's a few things that I have been kind of hitting over and over here in the church, um, is it is important for us to practice some some care for our own heart 
And one of those things that you can do, folks, is make sure that you unplug from some of this constant barrage of media coming in, the news outlets, and we expose ourselves to this stuff way too much. I will, I'm going to tell you, I and I mentioned this yesterday, we've got to stay aware, especially if you're in a leadership position, know what's going on. I forced myself, and I'm not exaggerating, I forced myself yesterday morning to turn the radio on and listen to news. By the way, I did it again this morning on the drive-in, and I heard something that was just astounding. In London, Kentucky, gas has dropped to below $1 a gallon. Wow. That has not happened since I was a teenager, best I can remember. Gas under a dollar a gallon. But anyway, that's all another separate issue. Unplug from some of that stuff. And look, friends, make use of rest. Rest, rest, rest. This is a season for the, the opportunity of rest and pursue that. You know, don't let yourself get worn down physically. Don't let yourself get overcome emotionally, but rest. And there's no greater place to rest than in the Lord. Just rest in the Lord. And then prayer. My, we need to be practicing our prayer life more and more. And remember, prayer is about union with God. It's learning more about who he really is. It's learning more about what he really wants out of you. And that's going to start with surrender. We have got to be willing to let go of everything to God, surrender everything to him, surrender our intent, surrender our purpose, and just consecrate who we are, our hearts, our homes, our activities, everything back to God. And, um, you know, we're often guilty in this age of trying to conform God into our image, but we need to reverse that trend during this season. This is a season we can do that. Reverse that trend. Um, you know, uh, I would add to you something that I'm going to encourage our men tonight when we meet uh, us and the deacons, socially distant, of course. Uh, but I, I think get familiar with the Psalms right now. And I would say to you, if you're listening uh, I would encourage you get familiar with those books of the Bible between 2 Corinthians and uh, Colossians, uh, including you know Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm telling you, those letters are going to be so essential to us right now in the time we're in as a church. Get familiar with those passages of Scripture. And then look, it's an hour to push back against some stuff. Um, it's an hour to resist and reject. The Bible says we're to resist the devil and he will flee. Push back against the fear by building your faith. Push back against the messaging of death by embracing the life of Jesus Christ. Push back against the darkness by being a light to others and expressing hope. Push back against the panic by bringing an atmosphere of peace. Receive the peace of Jesus into your life and share that with others. It's the very best things we can do right now. I know we're out of time. We appreciate you listening today, and God bless you all. We'll be back with you next time.